You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll dive into part 10 of our new series. Part 10, work is being done. Outlines the process used to build Solomon's temple and how the process shows how God molds us into his living temple. Let's get right to the word of God. It's um, kind of hard to contain just the excitement and the joy uh, of being in the presence of the Lord. Uh, but we want to make sure that we're good stewards of time, particularly with um, making sure that people don't congregate. This COVID thing is hard. Do you hear me? Um, but we're trying to do our very best. So I want to jump right into the word of God. I want you to meet me in 1 Kings chapter 6. 1 Kings chapter 6, for those of you that have our TWC app, our teaching notes are always out there. You can follow along with me uh, in the app on the screen. If you've got, got Old Faithful with you, amen, you can open up your Bibles and follow along with us there. One verse, 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 7, it says this, in the building of the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used and no hammer chisel or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built let me say that again in the building of the temple only blocks dressed at the quarry were used and no hammer chisel or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. I want to talk for a few moments on this, the first Sunday in almost 21 months of us being able to come back into God's temple. I want to talk for a moment with this thought in mind as we examine this passage. Shh. The work is being done. That's our title and topic as we examine this text. The work is being done. I have a nephew who is an amazing soccer player, and um, I'm just amazed at the incredible doors that God is opening for this 14-year-old kid, my nephew. And because of how God is using him and opening up incredible opportunities because of his soccer prowess. I have taken a love for the sport and just fascinated by the the sport of soccer. And I've been learning a lot about it. In fact, God has even been talking to me and revealing things through the study of the sport of soccer. As a matter of fact, in, in in the sport of soccer, there is a kind of maneuver Um, that happens after the the team takes the ball down the field and they're unable to score. They they do something called reframing the field. And when the team begins to reframe the field, what that means is they move the ball backwards to center field. And then they start moving the ball um, towards the goal, but they do it with a new offensive scheme or a new offensive approach. Now, initially, when they begin to reframe the field and the ball moves away from the goalposts towards center field, it looks like they're going backwards. It looks like they're going in the wrong direction. It looks like they're, in fact, going in the opposite direction, but they're only going backwards for a moment. 
because they are preparing to unleash a new offensive attack that's going to take them forward. See, so much has transpired over these last almost 21 months since we've been able to come back together. And, and honestly, over these, these almost two years that we have been away from the house of God and been unable to worship together as a faith family, it's kind of looked like we were going backwards. In fact, there were several moments over the course of this pandemic where, where I had to be honest and say, God, I, I don't quite know if I understand what you're doing. There were lots of times when, when in prayer and sometimes just crying out, I had more questions for God than I had answers from God. But now I realize with great clarity that God was simply reframing the field. I, I now realize with greater clarity that, that it looked like in, in certain seasons over the last 21 months that we were going backwards, but that was only because God was rearranging things and, and, and setting us up to move us forward with a new offensive attack. See, what we must understand is that throughout this this pandemic, God has been laying the groundwork for new things. This is why over the last several weeks, that's what we've been talking about. God doing new things because that's what he's been doing over the course of this pandemic. But the thing is, he's been going about this new stuff in ways that we don't always recognize. He's been going about this new stuff often in, in ways that seem foreign and strange to us. This is why 1 Kings chapter 6 demands our attention because in 1 Kings chapter 6, the background, the context of this is that God is building something new, but he's going about it in a very unique and different way. In 1 Kings chapter 6, God is building something new, and this, this chapter gives us an unusual and even a peculiar insight into the details around this new construction in the building of Solomon's temple. Now, we, we must pause for a moment and reflect and remember that Solomon's temple was beyond spectacular. Long before the Sistine Chapel in Rome, long before uh, the uh, Basilica of St. Peter, long before the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, uh, Solomon's temple was recognized as one of the most spectacular and awe-inspiring buildings in the entire world. And if you are a student of history, then you might recall that, that, that Solomon was not only recognized as one of the wisest men in the world, but he was also recognized as one of the wealthiest men in the world. And Solomon spared no expense in the building of this temple. This temple was, was so outstanding that one of the baddest sisters in history, a woman by the name of the Queen of Sheba, came all the way from Africa just to spend some time with Solomon and to see this temple. God was doing a new thing in the construction of this temple. Why do we know that God was doing a new thing, Bishop? Because you may recall that under the leadership of Moses, there was no temple. Moses simply had a, a tent, a big tent. It's called the tabernacle. And Moses' tabernacle was divided into three parts. There was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was the most holy place. But it was just a tent. It was a tent that they would set up, and then it was a tent that they would break down as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. It was just a tent. And you may even remember that, that, that David 
had a desire to build a temple for the Lord, but, but when he tried to do it, God spoke through the prophet Nathan and said, David, you got too much blood on your hands. You're a warrior. You're a fighter, and it's been a bloody business, and I cannot allow somebody with that, that much blood on their hands to build a temple because the temple was sacred and holy. And so God says, so you're not going to build the temple, but your son Solomon is going to build the temple. So David did not have a temple. David, in fact, had a tent. It wasn't a big tent. It wasn't an elaborate tent like the tent of Moses, outer court, inner court, holy of holies. David just had the most holy place. It was just a little pup tent where, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where David would go to meet with God. But it was just a tent. But when Solomon's temple was built, God was doing something brand new. God was moving them from, from a tent that was transient to an elaborate temple that was permanent. And that's a word for even some of us this morning. In this new stuff that God is doing, he's moving us from, from people and places and even mindsets that are temporary and transient and short-sighted. And what he's doing is he's building something that's not just new, but it's permanent, it's lasting, it's legacy and future future-oriented. But, but what I want to ask you to do for just a few minutes is I want you to look at with me how God built this new thing. I, I want you for just a moment to invite your attention. I want to invite your attention to look with me at how God built this incredible, spectacular, awe-inspiring temple because he went about it in some unusual ways. The first thing is, number one, it happened in silence. It happened in silence. The latter portion of verse 7 says that no hammer, no chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. Please don't miss that. This magnificent, spectacular, incredible, impressive, awe-inspiring temple was being built, and it was happening in silence. So you don't ever assume that just because you don't hear anything, that God's not doing anything. And that's a word for us because we can so easily miss some of the greatest moves of God because we incorrectly assume that whenever God's working, there's going to be a whole bunch of commotion and a whole bunch of noise, but that's not always the case. Some of the greatest moves of God throughout history happened in the midst of silence. This is why when God is talking to the nation of Israel in Isaiah 30 and in verse 15, it says this, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, watch this, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness, there it is, some translations even say in silence and trust is your strength. No, notice what the text says. How do we gain strength? Through trust. And through quietness or silence, meaning that we trust that God is working and moving during the silent moments of our lives, even though we may not be able to trace what God is doing because we don't hear it and because we don't see it, we can trust that he is working on our behalf. Why? Because God often works in the midst of silence. Hope you've been doing your soap devotion with us and walking through scriptures every day, spending time with God. 
And as we do this every year, we read through the Bible in a year. And one of my favorite books of the Bible in the Old Testament is, is Habakkuk because, because I really relate to the prophet Habakkuk. When you read uh, the book of Habakkuk, particularly in the first you know, chapter and part of the second chapter, uh, Habakkuk just cuts to the chase. He's not trying to impress anybody. He's not trying to put on any airs. Habakkuk just goes straight to the issue. Why, God? I've been praying, God. You haven't been responding, God. I don't understand. What are you doing? I don't like how this feels. God, what's up? What's going on? And, and the first chapter and, and into the second chapter, that's all he, he, uh, Habakkuk is doing. It's even subtitled uh, Habakkuk's Complaint. God, this don't make no sense to me. I don't understand this. What did we do to deserve this? When you going to fix it? When you going to change it? And, and then God shows up. In chapter 2, verse 20, and here's what God says. God doesn't respond to any of his complaints. God doesn't give any explanation. God just says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. <laughs> Habakkuk's like, I, 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 need, I need answers. I need understanding. I need you to explain to me why, why I've been praying and you ain't been talking. And why, I, you know, I mean, I could just, can't you see him with the head movement and all? And, and I've been fasting and these 21 months we've been going through COVID and what's up, God? And God responds and says, um, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. Translation, Habakkuk, shh. I'm working. Shh. The work is being done. I know you got complaints. I know you don't understand everything, but shh, shh, shh. Because I'm moving. Throughout these last 21 months, we've been away from the house of God. We've been away from our offices. We've been away from our loved ones. We've been cooped up in our home, quarantining. But God's been working. Some of you have been wondering, God, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. And the answer is, shh, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth keep silent. God is saying, I'm working. I'm moving. We haven't been able, y'all, to come together in a long time. But God has still been working. Some of us, we've had to move our offices into our homes, into our bedrooms, sometimes in our bathrooms, in our kitchens. But God's still been working. God, God, God has been working even though we've had to change our routine and set aside things that we, that we enjoy. And even though it's been uncomfortable and inconvenient and we haven't had a rhyme or reason for it, God has been working. The text says no hammer, no chisel, or any iron tool was heard at the temple site, but it was being built. They didn't hear movement, but movement was happening. Why? Because God often works in silence. But don't you wish sometimes that God would just give you like a sneak peek of coming attractions? That he would just kind of pierce the veil and that you just look behind at what he's working on so we can say, oh, okay, God, you got it, you got it, yeah. But he doesn't do that. Why? Because then we wouldn't have to trust him. And I'm talking to somebody this morning and you, you're going through kind of a Habakkuk season and you're like, God, why? You've got more complaints and concerns than, than maybe you even have praise. But, and maybe God has you logging on or here this morning because you need to know that even if you can't see it or hear it, God's still working. God is building this new thing, this elaborate, immaculate, magnificent temple. But it happened in silence. 
But then here's the, the second thing and the last thing. It involved a special process. It happened in silence, but then secondly and finally, it involved a special process because if you go back to the first part of verse 7, it says, in the building of the temple, here it is, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used. All right, all right. The New International Version says that. The, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, says it another way. It says the house was built with stones finished at the quarry. See, the reason the temple was built in silence is because the stones were prepared before they even got to the temple. All right, all right, all right. The reason there was no noise is because the stones were prepared at the quarry. What, what happened at the quarry, Bishop? The, the stone was, was cut at the rock quarry. Then after it was cut, it was coarse sanded at the rock quarry. Then after it was coarse sanded, it was fine sanded at the rock quarry. And then after it was fine sanded, it was polished. But all of this happened away from the temple at the quarry. Then, then the stone was carried uh, from the quarry to the temple. And then in silence, it was placed in its predetermined spot. Oh, you're going to get this. I don't know if, if you've ever been to a rock quarry, but, but a rock quarry is full of dirt and debris. A rock quarry is a hard place. It's a, it's a, it's a dirty place. It's a, it's a place that doesn't look good at all. But here's the good news. Even as I describe this rock quarry, some of you can identify and say, Bishop, that feels like my life or it sounds like my life. But here's the good news. The stone were prepared at the rock quarry, meaning that, that out of that dirt, out of that debris, out of that hard place, the stones were being prepared for something incredible. Yeah. Hallelujah. But the first thing that had to happen is that the stones had to endure the cutting. The, the, the workers would, would take a chisel and they would put it up against the rock face and, and then they would hammer that mallet against, against the chisel and the chisel would, would cut deep in, into the rock face until a stone yeah. fell out. Yeah. And then after it was cut, it had to be coarse sanded. So what the workers would do is they would use something hard and, and rough and coarse and they would rub it against the rock. Now the purpose of the coarse sanding was to remove anything that was foreign in the rock because all of the foreign substances had to be removed. That's why it had to go through the coarse sanding. And then after the coarse sanding, there was the fine sanding. Now, in the fine sanding, the workers would, would use something a little less rough, a little less coarse, but it would still uh, have rough parts to it because they would then fine sand the stone. And the purpose of the fine sanding, watch this, was to shape the stone. Mm. The fine sanding is how the stone got its angles and got its edges. The fine sanding is how they prepared the stone to fit perfectly where it was supposed to fit when it got to the temple. Uh, now, now, it's important to note, watch this, that all of this happened at the quarry. But, but while the rocks were at the quarry being cut and being coarse sanded and being fine sanded, the master craftsman knew why the cutting and the sanding was taking place. Because the master craftsman had a plan in mind for each stone. Oh, this is so good. 
And then after, after the stone was cut and after it was coarse sanded and after it was fine sanded, it was polished. See, when they started polishing the stone, that was the sign that the stone was ready. But, 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 but this is what you got to know. They, they didn't polish the stones so that the individual stones could look good. Because by themselves, the individual stones were odd. It, by themselves, the individual stones didn't really have a purpose. One was over here and another was over here. By themselves, it, it didn't look like much. But when, when they got to the temple and they began to put the stones together, when they put this stone over here and that stone over there and the cornerstone was in place and another stone was here, that's when the temple would come together and the temple would sparkle. The polishing was not so that individual stones could shine. It was so that when the stones came together the temple could sparkle but all of this happened at the rock quarry the cutting the coarse sanding the fine sanding the polishing it all happened at the rock quarry away from the temple I hope you understand by now I hope you pieced it together by now that I'm not just talking about random rocks, y'all. Right, right. I hope you understand that, that I'm talking to you about what's been happening to us yeah. over these last 21 months while we have been away from the temple. Some of you are like, well, how do you get here, Bishop? Well, 1 Peter 2 and 4 makes it real clear for us. In 1 Peter 2 and 4, it says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You just missed a great place to give God praise. First Peter is clear. We are living stones. And we are being built into a spiritual house. And so that means, guess what? Even as God is building us into something spectacular, we're having to go through the same process. We're having to go through the same process that, that all of these stones had to go through. Because as living stones, it means that, yes, we have to be cut. God, God, God has to cut us, and, and it doesn't feel good. I'm, I'm the first one to tell you. It doesn't feel good, and it's not always easy. But, but God knows that there are, there are some things and some people and some ways of thinking and living that God has to cut out of our lives. And then, and then, then you know what comes next? We have to be coarse-sanded. God has to pass some, some rough stuff over our lives, even through our lives. Why? Because there's some impurities in us that have to be removed. The master craftsman knows the greater purpose he has in mind, and he says, I, I can't allow that impurity to remain. And so hey, we got to be coarse-sanded, but because there's some stuff in us that if it's not addressed will prevent us from being like him. And God says, no, that, that's got to go. And then we got to be fine sanded <laughs> because God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. This is what he says to Jeremiah to tell the, the nation of Israel when they were going through their own kind of exile, similarly to what we've been experiencing over these last 21 months when they were, were exiled and pulled away from everything that, that they held sacred. God says, Jeremiah, tell them, I know the plans that I have for them. As a master craftsman, God is saying, I have plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. And he says, so that's, that's a part of the reason why you got to be fine sanded. 
you, you got to be fine sanded because I'm shaping you from where I'm getting ready to take you. You've got to be fine sanded because I've got to make sure that you got the right angles, that, that you got the right shape for, for where I'm getting ready to take you. But, but, but here's the good news, y'all. When, when the cutting is over and when the coarse sanding and the fine sanding is done, then he starts polishing us. <laughs> so we can shine. Praise the Lord. Uh, that, that's what God, uh, he finishes with the polishing. He says, now you're ready. Now, now you're ready because you've allowed me to cut you and sand you. Now you're ready. I, I, I love it. I love it. Job, Job said it the best. Job said it the best in Job 23 and verse 10. Job says, but he knows the way that I take. Job says, God knows what I've been walking through, and you need to know that. God knows where you've been. God knows what you've been through. And Job says, I, he knows the way I take. He, in other words, God, you know what I'm going through. You know what's been happening in my life. And Job goes on and says, and when he has tested me. Yes. Translation, when he's tried me. Right. You missed it. When he's cut me. Yes. When he's coarse sanded me. Yes. When he's fine sanded me. Yes. Watch what he says. He says, I shall come forth as pure gold meaning when I'm done with this thing and you see the shine on me when God is done I'm gonna look like somebody somebody I'm telling you because Job is saying I know he's taking me through this for a reason I know there's purpose in the process this is why then family when the stone was brought to the temple watch this all they had to do was slide it right in place this is why when they got to the temple they didn't have to make a whole bunch of noise they didn't have to uh, do a whole bunch of commotion because because the stone was prepared at the rock quarry and, and, and all they had to do when they got the stone to the temple is slide it right in and each stone would fit perfectly why because it had already been cut why because it had already been sanded why because it had already been polished and it was ready to slide into its purpose. Can I tell you something up in here, up in here? In this new thing that God is doing, you're getting ready to enter into some places where if you submit to the cutting and the sanding and the polishing, you're going to slide into purpose. You're going to slide into some opportunities. You're going to slide into some doors and it will not make sense to other people around you. Other people are going to look at you and say, I just, I don't understand. I, how, how is that coming so easy to you? It doesn't make sense. You, you look like you've been doing this all your life. I don't understand. How did you qualify for that? And what I need you to do is to just give God praise because they will look at you and think that you were born for this. But what they won't recognize is all of the cutting and all of the sanding and all of the polishing that had to go on in order for you to slide into your purpose. You got to learn to thank God when the cutting is happening. Because that means, well, God, you must get ready to place me somewhere. You, if you're cutting me and sanding me, it means you got a place prepared for me. And I don't want to make it hard. I want to slide into the job. I want to slide into the business. I want to slide into that next place in my ministry, or in my career. But God says, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to submit. I need you to submit to the cutting. I need you to submit to the, to the sanding. What's been going on these last almost 21 months? God's been cutting us. It hasn't always felt good, but there's purpose in the process. He's been, 
He's been coarse sanding us. He's been fine sanding us. And here's the temptation. It's so easy sometimes in the sanding or the cutting to want to say, God, that's, uh, that's, that's it. That's it. And, and that may be just for one person I'm talking to this morning. But your word is you don't abandon the master's plan. Uh, uh, a master craftsman shapes you because he has a plan in mind. And, and who are we to think that we know the mind of the master better than we? Your responsibility is to say, ouch, but I trust you. Ooh, but I trust you. It's not comfortable, but I trust you. And then if you say, well, how do you do that? Focus on the finished product. Focus on how you're going to shine. Woo, baby, I'm telling you, this has been hard, but oh, my, my disposition is going to shine when God is done with me. Hallelujah. There's some doors. There's some opportunities. There's some new things that God is preparing us for, family. And oftentimes we get so bogged down with the pain of the cutting that we forget that he cuts us in order to polish us. He, he sands us in order to polish us so he can show us off and say, that's, that's my child. So that when people look at us, they don't even see us. They see the glory, the shine of Jesus on us. That everywhere we go, people know that we have been with the Lord. Not because of what we say, but because of what they see. We're going to close this message in a very unique way this morning. I want you to pull out your mobile phone, even if you're online. I want you to pull out your mobile phone. And here's what I want to ask you to do, I want to ask you to text the word, one word, stone, S-T-O-N. Text the word stone to 844-892-4888. They're going to put it up on the screen. Is there. Text the word stone to 844-892-4888. Why are we asking you to do this? Because... We're going to ask you a question, and the question is simply, where are you in this process? Over these last almost 21 months, are you still in the cutting phase? Because, you know, we can prolong the process if we resist it. Are you, are you in the phase where God is cutting? Or maybe you're in the coarse sanding phase where God is, man, got to get the impurities out. Or maybe you're in the fine sanding phase where God is shaping you, and he's... He's, he's molding you. You get this sense that he's got something in store, and that's why he's had to shape you this way and shape you that way. Or maybe you feel like you're being polished. Maybe you're behind the scenes, but God's been polishing you because your season is getting ready to shift. I, I want you to just identify where you are because here's what our prayer team is going to do. Our prayer team is going to be praying for you and undergirding you in prayer because it's so easy to say to God, I'm done, God. I give up. This is too hard. This is not easy. I stand on this stage and I share the word of God with you. Or I come to your house digitally, but you have no idea how many days I've had to say, God, this is, this is too hard. This is not easy. But what sustains me is not only my time with the Lord, but it's the people that are praying for me. 
It's the people in my life that I know, know what I'm going through and are interceding on my behalf. It's, it's, it's my brothers that I can call and say, man, I'm, I'm having a bad day right now. I just need you to cover me in prayer. And that's what we want to do for you. That's what our prayer team wants to do for you. So that's why we want to ask you to, to text it, that number, and you're going to get that question. And then let us know how we can be praying for you. We, I wish we could hug each other and visit. And I want to come over to your house and have some collard greens and just find out what's happening over the last 20 months. But we're trying to still be safe and keep things in a way that we can keep coming back. We don't want anybody to get sick from coming to the house of God to worship. And so we're doing it this way because I want to know how can I be praying for you? How can our prayer team be praying for you? But then here's the other thing. You need to know where you are. What God has done through this word is he's given you language to be able to identify. Some of you logged on this morning I came into this building and you were like, I don't quite understand where I am right now, God. And God said, this is why you're here. Because this is what I'm doing. And some of you now have language. You have an understanding. Okay, God, I got it. I know what you're doing. I know why that had to happen. God, put it in perspective. And you need to know that. And so, Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for your sweet presence. Even in the stillness, God, your presence is so real. And I thank you for it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, seal this word in the hearts of your people. And we will be careful to give you and only you all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said, amen. 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 Pastor Aaron is coming back. He's going to give you some more information about how we're going to dismiss. Because all of that we have to do in a certain way to make sure that we ensure that you are safe. Online family, don't log off. Because we want to invite you into our post-service experience where we still want to connect with you and uh, enjoy each other even digitally as we digest and even talk about the Word of God. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.